You're listening to the Irish Times. Rainy Tuesday morning, not a Monday morning this week. We have the Out of Time podcast and Eamon Donoghue's here again, uh, filling in for Pat Nugent. Morning, Eamon. Morning, Malachi. Good to have you in. Uh, you're very sun-kissed, I can see. <laughs> a man who has been lounging, doing piss all. Where have you been? Um, I was lucky enough to be over in Los Angeles lucky for the last enough. week. Would you listen to your man? Yeah. Live it life right. <laughs> Do you watch any sport over there? Um, yeah, I, I, I got to see a bit of um, a bit of American sport. I've seen uh, the LA Dodgers in action and I also got to see um, Liverpool on the telly, my beloved Liverpool. Your um, beloved Liverpool. <laughs> so I'm not all I'm not all GA in up top <laughs> and in my heart. But um I was lucky enough to see it with Chris O'Dowd as well, a great Roscommon man. What? So yeah, how did you manage that? Um, there's an Irish big bar. boiler, of course. Yeah, moon boy. Um, there's a there's a Roscommon or there's an Irish bar. Um, what is it? An, an Irish owned bar over there, Forty Love. It's called. Um, and he was in it watching the game. It's not not many that place. Not many places over there that show show the the football, of course. Um, so yeah, he was in there and we had a great chat about the Rossies and about Shane Curran and <laughs> a great win last Saturday. And he's a big Liverpool fan as well. So. Go away. Yeah, that was great. How like, did you strike up conversation? Um, well, I seen him. I see, he's an easy man to spot. He's a big man. That's true. Um, so yeah, I was just chatting him, and sure, I've seen him around in Roscommon a few times before right. as well. So um, yeah, he still he still you know follows all the Roscommon games. He to be very close with the Smith brothers and Boyle and right. Um, yeah, as I said, he'd follow he'd follow the team, and he'd know he'd know all all the lads. And so with the pair of you, weepy eyed. Watching oh, Liverpool singing. Of course, that's at like two o'clock in the afternoon over there, was it? It was. It was lun- the game started at lunchtime, so right. yeah, it would have been over around two. Yeah. So he's six pints in by four p.m. <laughs> were you? It was a, a liquid, a liquid lunch. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. It was, a, it was just kind of surreal enough to watch it over there because, um, yeah, like it, the, a lot of the Irish and UK kind of community went to went to the bar, um, but still not the same kind of passion yeah that's the one thing I I always find that anytime I watch sport from back here in the States I remember exactly like that watching a few Mm. Champions League games in like uh, a basement bar in Manhattan at like three in the afternoon and like it could be like it could be knockout stages could be some amazing game Mm. and like there's four of you lined up in a bar and it is yeah. It is difficult to kind of get the the same sort of emotion, oh. mind you. Of course, with the Champions League being such a crap game. Yeah, true. But it was it was the funny thing was that like the minute the game finished, like the sound kept went off and right. on came like background music, which is like I don't know if it's just me being a Liverpool fan or whatever. But like I wanted to hear you never walk alone. Yeah. Sang. I wanted to see Klopp <laughs> running around hang, hugging everyone, and it's just there some music beating in the background and I was very funny like the Americans were coming up to, to me asking to get a picture with me because I had the Liverpool jersey you know like in front of the TV like it's just so random like um, they just me, don't get me, it at me, all me, really meanwhile like, Chris O'Dowd standing beside exa- you and exactly. nobody's looking for pictures of him no no Sorry, the Liverpool, I've been roaring and shouting the whole way through the game because I obviously still didn't get that that's not normal over there um, so they're all coming over thinking that was very cute um, uh. and getting pictures so but oh, it was great! Like it was a great experience, and and, and to see him w- w- was cool as well. But uh, like he's very he's very down to earth, as I said, and he still he still follows well, he's a Rossi, you know? still follows the Rossies. I'm sure he was mad to once he knew it was Rossies and kind of um, 
was into the football and stuff like that. So he was he was he was delighted. Like so, but it's a, it's a mad spot. It's this like the guy who owns it lives with Niall Horan, and so it's a lot of um, the, the night before LeBron James had been in watching Get the, the yeah the, the the final the first of the finals. So um, so the LeBron James and Eamon Donahue in the same weekend. Exactly. Jesus Christ, what it and yeah. he, and 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 the two of you getting people asking you for selfies. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both very humble about it as well. Both so. very humble. <laughs> uh, listen, we have a big, uh, well, reasonably big show this morning. We have later on. We have Emmett Malone uh, talking about Ireland, Denmark, which is coming up on Friday. But first, we are going to talk to Keith Duggan, uh, who uh, uh, thumbed his nose at uh, all, and rightly so, at all the rubbish hurling that is going on around the country at the minute, and uh, was in Clonus on Sunday for. Uh, yet another Ulster Championship Baron Burner. How are you, Keith? I'm well, yeah. Um, it was very enjoyable and, and extremely cold in Clonus <laughs> on, the, on, on, on the first weekend of June. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, the 16,000 odd people who were there went home, went home fairly, uh, fairly satisfied with what they'd seen. I only managed to see uh, highlights of it and so it looked very good. I've, I've seen a little bit of... Uh, in the meantime, a little bit of here. Look, it was exciting, but it wasn't actually that amazing. Like, was, was it a, was it a good game? How, what sort of uh, turnout was it? It sort of deepened into a really enthralling game. Right. I mean, it was you know all the usual stuff you'd say about about you know about an Ulster mm. an Ulster game. It was cagey. Um, there were quite a number of mistakes. Uh, space was at a premium. Tackling was pretty hard. Wild on occasion. Um, and through that, you know, there were just pockets of really, really terrific uh, exhibitions of, 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 of football skill. Um, they were just very evenly matched. You mm. know, it was it was it was uh, point for point right. The first half finished seven apiece. And then, you know, after Jared O'Burns finished that terrific goal move for Armagh, Cavan were they were kind of chasing, you know, and, and, and then and then they, they lost a man in the 63rd minute. So it it became a question of could Armagh hold on to what was a fairly promising position in the last 10 minutes and how would Cavan work their way uh, mm. back into it. And as we know, they did. And then by extra time, both teams were they were fairly shattered. Um, no score during the first period and at a point apiece in the second period was all they could muster. It is interesting, the these extra times. I was at uh, uh, the Leinster game that went to extra time the previous week. Um, and and like of course we've had extra time in 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 GA for for many a year, but I was really really struck in the Longford Kildare game how out on their feet both teams were. Yeah. Whether it is just whether it's early in the summer or what, like I was just looking at two teams who were not able to to keep up any sort of intensity through two periods of extra time like there was I think there was they, they only scored one score each or that was it Longford got a goal and Kildare got three points but like they, nobody scored in the second period of extra time and it yeah. was something similar there on, on Sunday wasn't it? Absolutely yeah I mean it's I mean it, it would appear the teams sort of calibrate themselves to be able to operate at a premium for, for 70 77 minutes but then asking them to go another 20 on top of that mm. um they begin, you know, they begin to flag, and as it happened, both both squads had sort of used their used their benches quite 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 liberally uh, during you know the mm. normal period of the game. So they were sort of you know they were just they were they were moving chairs throughout that throughout that final period. 
And I think as well, you know, once you reach the end of normal time, it's like the pitch of the game shifts. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It, it has been reaching this kind of, you know, everyone's aware that injury time's approaching and everything's very frantic. And then suddenly both teams have 20 minutes to play with and maybe not making a mistake becomes, uh, you know, the main priority for, for the majority of that period. Certainly that was the case in the first half. You could just, they were kind of just taking a breather. They weren't really going at each other. Um, and then, yeah, it just traded, traded, traded a point each in the in the second period. Um, w- one one player who's obviously keeping himself warm in that uh, cold conditions was Charles Hogg. Um, Charles Hogg Burns. He scored the goal you were saying, but um, look, I, I've never seen him live. But from watching, especially Sigerson games, he seems an absolutely majestic fielder. He caught some massive balls there. What what was it like watching him in, in real time? Kind of, he's he's got a fantastic leap, hasn't he? Yeah. He's a very, very smooth player. Um, moves around the field very comfortably. He is, as you, I mean, he's he's just he's that he's he's sort of that that old that old style midfielder, high fielding, very strong, really really good timing, um, on, on his jump, passes the ball really well. Um, get just gets around the field like he did a lot of a lot of work as well defensively, which kind of went unnoticed. I mean. Armagh were looking to trap players, Cavan players on the ball as often as they could, and he seemed to be involved in a lot of those uh, in, in a lot of those turnovers. Um, you saw his finish for the goal; it was really, really, uh, just really composed. Um, so yeah, he was he was extremely impressive, as indeed was 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 Niall Grimley in in, in a quieter way. Um, very mobile player as well, very athletic. They're you know they're young, they're young players. So it looks like uh, both of those families are going to be serving the Armagh midfield for <laughs> for another decade. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, I don't know. Now it'd be interesting to ask both their fathers, uh, which uh, whether they or indeed their sons are, are are more comfortable on the ball. But uh, that may be debate for. <laughs> <laughs> for the dinner table, it's it's kind of a necessary though with with Armagh because especially in the middle the the the, the swapping and changing that's that's been there for the last couple of years is madness. Like even Charlie Vernon starting the drawing game, um, Vic Sheridan has played over the years. Uh, Rafferty's been in the middle. They've they've had a different midfield every summer for five or six years. Mm-hmm. I'd say nearly as far as from Paul McCrane retiring, they've had I'd say a different midfield every year. So for them two lads. You know, if if they can settle in there, and you know, if they were to build an Ulster final, I, I I think that whoever comes out of this, Cavan or Armagh, for the next couple of years, you know, could really build on reaching an Ulster final. Perhaps if with two chances, then again to Super Eight, you know, they're they're both in a really kind of exciting place, and one of them has a great chance of of really driving on. Well, yeah, um, although I, I, you're right, and I imagine they both they both feel that about themselves. Although I think. It, it would seem strange to me that they'd let whatever the outcome of 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 the replay is define what they become. Like they've made, they've both made great strides. Um, even even since the championship has begun, and if it, it feels like a huge like this this game, the game last week felt like a sort of a huge moment for both counties. The same is true next week, but I think irrespective of what happens, they've they've. They, they kind of know what they're about now and you know you'd expect them both to be around and to be sort of contending for, for, for the next couple of years Isn't it interesting Keith that both of them uh, are 
they're almost um, the, like like the first from the pack to have decided in in Ulster to evolve their game. Like it's they're very noticeably different both teams to what they were even maybe three years ago. You know the the, the way they set up, the way they they like they both try and play more football than than you would have said a few years ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, Calvin were, were were you know they were using every inch of the field, mm. uh, really really playing wide. I suppose if, if you go back a few years, you would have seen Monaghan doing that mm. um, against Donegal um, in the years in in in, in twenty thirteen. Uh, you know, really using the width of the field. Calvin did that extremely well, also. And I mean, Armagh were well set up defensively, and. Pretty much all the scores that Cavan got, they were really well worked. You know, mm. they used whatever pockets of space were were available to them, and they, you know, some really kind of good Connor Moyna, Jared Smith, guys like that, just cutting cut cutting forward, and you know, not afraid to have a go if 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 uh, if, if if the space was there for them. You know, Darren McFeely was extremely well. Um, he was extremely well marked throughout the game. Still, he still had a very very good game. Like only two of Cavan's six forwards managed to uh, to score from from play, mm. but they were able to get uh, I think it was five points off the bench. You know Stephen Murray, Keen Mackey, uh, five points. It might have been a sixth as well. I can't mm. I can't recall. So you know, Armagh did a lot right. Cavan were able to introduce these guys and um, yeah, just 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 stuck to their game plan and uh, did. They they looked, uh, yeah. They, they they just they just looked like they knew what they were about. It makes for a, a big weekend up north now. This coming weekend, uh, obviously, uh, so there's going to be a double header in Clonus on Sunday with the replay of this game and uh, Monaghan for Manor in the qualifiers. And uh, but on Saturday night is the other Ulster semi final, Tyrone and Donegal. That's um, uh, like I, I think most people kind of presume that the, the winner of the Ulster Championship will come from that game but I guess this Ulster Championship has taught us not to presume anything Well look I mean you know for those of us who've been banging the drum about the Ulster Championship mm. even even through the years when it was uh, when it was largely vilified like it's becoming it's becoming increasingly obvious that it, it is in itself a terrific competition mm. and it's sort of it, it's 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 nearly like the jewel in the crown of the of the championship at the moment. Mm. So it's the one it's the one sort of massive question mark about the idea of ending the uh, the provincial championships. If you do sort of make it an open draw, and if you if you take away all these rivalries, you lose an awful lot. Yeah, you, you know you really you really do, and uh, as you say, next weekend it's it's sort of uh, it 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 should be terrific. No one, no one in championship. It'll it'll just serve up three absolute stinkers. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'll be fucking fifteen red yeah. cards and brawls and, and the yeah. parade and all the rest yeah. of it. Meanwhile, you know, meanwhile there'll be uh, three majestic hurling matches. You've finally. disgraced yourselves again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, um, yeah, it's 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 been terrific. And look, it's because it's because of tradition. It's because there's just so much riding. On each of those games, uh, for, for 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 the counties involved, um, that's what that's what creates the atmosphere. I think, and you know, to dismantle that would be, well, it would be a big call. Um, you, yourself and Maliki were saying about Cavan and Armagh how they've uh, transformed in in their style of play, and um, you know, a lot more kick passing, um, 
Armagh kind of almost going as far as a, a cross McLean style and, and um, Cavan have completely changed but the, the same can be said for Tyrone and Donegal as well because Donegal as we've seen against Fermanagh was, was like watching chalk and cheese you had a team who wanted to play football and you had a team that were playing Ulster football of three or four years ago and Tyrone as we've seen in the league and early so far this year in the championship with the, with they've actually have an inside line who they're now kicking the ball into. Like, yeah, the, the, I think the, the, along with Dublin, obviously, the Ulster Championship is showing the rest of the country that you can play football and be effective as well. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see now next Saturday evening if either Declan Bonner or Mickey Hart will in any way blink, whether they're just prepared to 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 to, to go at each other gung ho. Mm-hmm. It would certainly be kind of radical departure from their form throughout the uh, throughout the last 10 years when I think out of respect and sort of mutual fear they 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 just laid all kinds of defensive traps and and everything that went with it um uh, for, for one another so look yeah you're right I mean they've been they've they, they've been a tonic and um I mean if the attitude going into this game is Let's see if you can score more than me. Then it's going to be, it's going to be great fun. Uh, where, where, what's your sense of Donegal at the minute, Keith? Um, I think they're a very talented young team. Um, I think, obviously, they won the Ulster Championship last year without meeting Monaghan or or Tyrone, which um, was probably you know a little, little bit of a lucky break for them. This is a massive test. Um, you know, there's. I think they're still developing, and I think this is going to be. I, I kind of feel that, irrespective of what happens, they should be in the. Uh, should see them in the in the in the super eights, but I think this is going to be a huge a huge test on Saturday evening. Yeah, it's going to be a cracker. I hope. I really hope it is a cracker. I, I can't. Uh, I can't wait for it. Which is uh, another thing to say about a football match in yeah. uh, in the middle of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't think last year because of Paddy McBrady's injury, we actually got to see how good Donegal could really push on to be, and then we obviously did see that with Tyrone. Mm. So this is kind of the game that we, kind of the test that we wanted to see last year, and we're finally getting to see where both teams even more developed. So yeah, like it. This is as as competitive a game as you're going to see with two really good teams. Absolutely, yeah. Excellent. Listen, Kate, thanks a million. Thank you. Take care of yourself. It is an international week, which has sort of crept up on us after uh, we kind of imagined the soccer season was sort of half over. Uh, Emmett Malone has been out in Abbottstown the last couple of days ahead of the Denmark game on on Friday, indeed. How are you, Emmett? Yeah, I'm good, Maliki. Uh, an interesting, really interesting game. This and the team is in an interesting place. Um, I, I read in your piece this morning that Mick McCarthy has all but uh, said that they'll be going with more, like, pretty much the same team as uh, in the last game, uh, which was a, a decent game and a decent performance. So it's it's interesting to see where they're going to be at. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they started the campaign well. They, you know, in the old days, there would have been a lot of haggling over the uh, the fixture list and trying to tee it up so that they got a good start or whatever. This this time, it was sort of presented to them on a, on a bit of a plate. Um, they had two winnable games to start with, but they have won those games, and you can you can sense the kind of restoration of uh, confidence that's run through the squad. So you know, they go into this game. It's a you know a a, a bigger game by some magnitude than the previous two, really. Um, 
the priorities are possibly slightly different in that the other two, they really needed to win this one, you know, if they come away from Denmark with a draw again, then I think that would be, you know, regarded as a, as a, as a good outcome. And they have done that pre occasions despite the fact that the kind of perception of those games against Denmark is utterly dominated by the the 5-1 defeat suffered at home but um no i mean this is the the, the team is that the players sound confident mccarthy sounds happy with the way they're going into it the change of manager i think has you know helped to draw a line on under a, a really difficult and and disappointing spell and um and the sense you get from them is that they feel they're in a, in, a, in a better place right now and uh, team-wise, uh, uh, as you say, Shea, or as you said in the paper, Shane Long is out, but that won't make yeah. a, a big difference because the last time they went with uh, David McGoldrick, James McLean and Robbie Brady in a, in a kind of a three up front and it worked pretty well. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, McCarthy gives every impression of uh, really, really, really liking David McGoldrick, and mm. uh, and uh, he'd see, he he did, did well see. for him in the Georgia game. Did see, did see, yeah, yeah, we did see, and uh, it's nice, you know. Yeah. Uh, he is a very, very kind of, um, you know. Look, I mean, I think he is uh, to McCarthy the way kind of the, you know, maybe Aidan McGeady was regarded by right. um, by by Martin O'Neill before. Um, yeah, he likes him. Uh, he feels he can do a job for him, and uh, and he started well. I mean, I think if uh, if he'd been disappointed in the two games away, then uh, or sorry, in the two opening games, then then that would suddenly already be an issue for him. But um, but uh, he did well, uh, you know, more so in the Georgia game probably. But um, but still, you know, enough to keep his place. Um, and uh, and I think he will start. I think possibly the you know the greater question is um, uh, would he like Glenn Whelan, assuming he starts, um, can uh, contain uh, the, the 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 you know Christian Eriksen, who he will have to shoulder a lot of responsibility for. But he's been in this morning talking about it. Sounds very relaxed again. He's in a strange position himself at mm. the moment because obviously his career is is his career is at another juncture because he's just been released by Aston Villa after a couple of seasons in the Championship. But um, but look again, he sounds like he's. he's feels he's he's in a pretty good place um uh talks with some confidence about his his record of playing against Ericsson in the past and um seems to be really looking forward to it it's an interesting um revival of, of glenn whelan's career you know yeah a, a year ago you nobody thought they'd be sitting here going right when when next we meet christian Ericsson, glenn whelan's going to be the one that we're <laughs> we're looking forward to uh and and actually in a weird sense kind of very much trusting to go and do a job yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's been remarkable on all fronts. I mean, you know, we were just talking to him there, and people were making the point about how much warmth and affection there was from um, from the Aston Villa fans, the kind of general sense both from them and from the media who covered the club in the Championship this season. That maybe letting him go was a mistake. Um, now the journalists uh, whose pieces I read about him, you know, whether he'd be offered a new contract and. And that suggested that, you know, you would want him around the place for his professionalism, for the influence that he would exert on younger players in the dressing room. And and it just doesn't seem to be any doubt about that. He's in terrific mm. shape. Uh, he looks after himself really well. McCarthy came in last week and talked about the fact that, you know, one of the times they were training at Portugal, I think, that they were all coming off the pitch and there was no sign of uh, Whelan making a move for the dressing room. And he just explained to the manager that, that he had some other stuff to do. And, and McCarthy was kind of quietly reflecting on the fact that, yeah, you look at guys like this and you realize why they're still playing at 35 and still playing well um but yeah a year ago like you know o'neill was shoving him towards the door that was his entitlement completely he didn't see him as part of the future whelan's very careful to be very respectful about that there's no kind of like you know his return is a two fingers to the last manager Mm. nothing like that at all he talks about the fact that o'neill was picking the team he didn't see him as part of the setup 
he kind of offered him this opportunity as a send-off, which felt like a send-off because oh, there was no sense that O'Neill was going anywhere at the time. Um, but that as far as he was concerned, he said, and he continues to say, that uh, he would never retire from international football. Uh, he was joking just uh, 10 minutes ago there about, you know, he'll be in a wheelchair some, yeah, at some yeah. stage. And uh, <laughs> if somebody suggests that they need somebody... You know, they can wheel him out there, um, <laughs> and um, and and I, you know, I've always felt that that was um, that, that's the, the the right attitude to have. You know, for playing for your country. I mean, you know, if uh, things ever reached the stage where things were bad enough, I'd play for my country. You know, you know, you know, you, you might know you're going to be terrible. You know, if, if if somebody else makes that call, then then you answer it. Um, and that's, what, and as, that's as you do with the podcast, Emmett. That's the, 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 that's the <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, slightly more begrudgingly, I have to say on that front. You know, but um, uh, but yeah, look, he's you know so uh, and 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 also at Villa, I think there was a point where the sense and the fans, certainly on social media, the ones that projected themselves on social media, they weren't happy with him. They you know mm. they weren't impressed, and he, he you know he was uh, he was struggling really to to win them over. But he certainly did that over, that over the last six months. Um, he's he has been impressive with them. He's been a central part of their of their kind of revival in terms of uh, ultimately clinching promotion and and part of that that's been a combination of things it's been on pitch performances but also this de- very definite sense that he was a very positive influence around the place that his professionalism uh, rubbed off on other people so you know it, it's good he says he has offers we'll see what they you know uh, turn out to be but what, one thing he made absolutely clear is that as he weighs up his club options even at 35 while other people you know are retiring from international football to eke another year or two years out of uh, out of club careers he is absolutely weighing up his club offers with a view to playing at a high enough level that Mick McCarthy will still considering him, uh, still consider him a viable option for for Ireland, and uh, it's terrific. Like you can't knock that. Mm. I, I think Emma, from a from a Danish side of uh, side of things, is there kind of a hope that fatigue might um, be a positive for us? Not only Christian sure. Eriksson, but Christensen from Chelsea, Jacker from Arsenal, Dolberg had a a long end of season with Ajax. There's a good few yeah. of them who who must be uh, kind of dreading this game and just hoping for their holidays. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, mean, I guess that's going to be a factor from both sides. You know, uh, you know. I mean, there's there's very few longer seasons, really uh, tougher seasons, more testing seasons than the championship. You know, it's uh, it's real hell for leather stuff from beginning to end. So, you know, I, I I could see that some of our players would be looking at it like that as well. Um, the quality that the Danes have is, you know, absolutely indisputable. The clubs they are playing for, by and large, are, you know, certainly the top third of that squad, if you want to kind of divide that way, um, is generally higher than the, the, the corresponding clubs that, are, that our players are playing for. Um, I think at home... Um, they will feel confident uh, that they that they can at the very least I mean go into this match um, believing that they they're not going to be beaten um, and they will look back on that five one and look at the ways that Ireland could be opened up if if those you know if those opportunities um, arise if if Ireland start making missteps the way they did that night in Lansdowne Road so you know I, I mean they they have only lost I think it's one competitive game in three years in ninety minutes so um, they're in a good place uh, I don't think uh, I don't think you know even the likes of Ericsson coming off the back of a very very disappointing night in Madrid is uh, is is going to let that kind of you know have them down, too downcast going into these games they're in a good place they're uh, they're facing a team that they know pretty well. And against whom they have a good record. So you know the ball is in sort of Ireland's court to some extent here, um, but 
they will reflect on the fact that two very different games they've had against them away over the last couple of years. Um, uh, but on both occasions in the away games, they've got a draw. And on this occasion, that would be a pretty decent night's work. Is is there a hope that with, with McAuldrick starting up front that we might see a bit of a bit of interplay rather than kind of what we had against the Danes last couple of years, which is just route one continuously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there is that that hope, absolutely. And I think we saw the signs of it in the previous couple of games already, the kind of stats in terms of uh, ball retention, passes completed, all of thing all of those things have shown significant signs of improving. And I and I think we'll we'll see more of that. I think that, you know, the the talk here over the last few days about you know in a game like this when you have the ball you have to kind of keep it better because it uh, otherwise it's very demanding to keep chasing opponents um, trying to win it back um, that was always said under Martin O'Neill but it really never materialised And I, but, I, but I do think there is a sense of it this time I think the flip side of that the slightly ironic part of it is that under O'Neill two of, you know many of our better results were away from home and um, and two of those good results were against Denmark where we didn't play very much football but we got results that on occasion would suit us pretty well so you know you have to argue um, you know whether in some way that that kind of attempt to play ball um, at the uh, at the home of uh, one of our major qualification rivals it carries a certain risk uh, to it as well, you know. Um, we we have had you know a, a qualified success playing the the ball, um, playing the sort of football that that Martin O'Neill had the team playing. Obviously, he would point to the qualification for uh, Euro 2016 as a very major success. We had big results away to the Austrians, to the Serbs, um, and if you look at that Serb ga- Serbia game, like I mean, certainly there was nothing uh, that was too easy on the eye. But you know. Here we are. Look, I think you're right. I think there will be more football played. I think the ball will be kept better. Um, but in that, there are still many, many challenges to be faced in Copenhagen on Friday night. It could be uh, careful what you wish for kind of thing. Uh, we come, come off after playing uh, lovely football and lose 3-0 and then... <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be the first time, you know. I mean, yeah. if you go, but you know, I mean, I mean, Jack Charlton happened for a reason, you yeah. know. And, uh, yeah. yeah, well, it's it's kind of one of those though. It's important for the sense of international week with uh with football in Ireland. It's 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 crucial, you know, and, and it hasn't been there in, in recent years because of the style of play from the team. So while results are important, that style of play is important as well because some of the matches under O'Neill were just unbearable to watch. So if you want to get yeah. seats on, on a, or you want to get bodies on seats and you want to get people watching the games, you kind of have to mix mix and match the two of those. I think that was kind of one of the important things from the O'Neill era, do you not think? Uh, I, I do subscribe to the theory that people generally like a winning team. Um, so, you know, I you know if, if, if Mick, and I think he is pragmatic about this and he kind of alludes to it on occasion, everybody absolutely wants them to play football. But if it goes tits up, you know, if the team starts losing games uh, and, and badly, um, not too many managers survive at first of all. Well, we'll uh, enjoy it and we'll watch on Friday night, see how far we're, we get on and how we're going. All right, Amit, listen, thanks a million for that. Sure. Take it Cheers, easy. Malachi. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Take care. And Bye. that's us. Uh, thanks to Keith, who was on earlier. Uh, thanks to Emma. Thanks to you, Eamon. Thanks, Malachi. Cheers to Declan behind the desk. And we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, folks.